0: following program was pre-recorded and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. We don't need no education.
1: We don't need no
2: Get ready to take notes because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Abigail Johnson. Welcome to Education America, where we're working to save the classroom so that we can save the country. K-12 education is the playing field where the battle is on for the future of our country. And as our 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, succinctly stated, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. Well, good evening, Abigail. That is a a timely quote, isn't it? It is. uh, For the topic that we're going to be covering. And you are just giddy with excitement over there. I'm I'm
3: just geared up right now. Yes, you are. I'm barely sitting in my chair. She
2: is so excited about our guest that we're going to be having on for the next two podcasts. So, Abigail, I am going to give you the honor of introducing this wonderful guest. That's great. We don't have
3: to wrestle the microphone from you to do it. (laughs) Um, Speaking of battle, we have with us... Someone that will give you the tools to engage in the battle of ideas well. And I am, I'm giddy because I absolutely love it when Christians are able to speak well, clearly and rationally. And that is what our speaker uh, today, absolutely, this is his gift and this is his area of expertise we are so grateful to have Mr. Greg Kokel on the podcast with us. Yeah, and yay, thank, thank you, John. John.
2: <laughs> so Mr. <laughs>
3: Mr. Kokel is a, a man of many talents, one of which is he is on the Stand to Reason podcast. Um, he is a,
2: a professor. He founded the Stand to Reason podcast. Yes.
3: He is an mm-hmm. adjunct professor in Christian apologetics at Biola University. But what I am most interested in Is his um, his organization stand to reason, and his book Relativism feet firmly planted in mid air and such an it it sounds guys. I promise it sounds really nerdy. It is fascinating. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Greg. It it does. It sounds nerdy, (laughs) especially when you have young kids and you're just going, "Oh my gosh!" I'm just trying to make dinner. Please don't ask more of (laughs) it. I promise you guys. This listening to Mr. Kokel, you will get jazzed because it applies to your everyday life immediately. And so I'm sorry, Mr. Kokel, Welcome to the show. As I am rambling, just so excited to have you here today.
1: No, uh, it's it's fun to talk to a giddy person, Uh, (laughs) ladies. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Thanks so much for that introduction.
2: Very good. Well, in your book, Relativism, which I love this title, feet firmly planted in midair. How apropos. um, Mm -hmm. We just loved your concept, and um, this is what's wrong with really everything. And with relativism, there is no truth, um, or there is your truth, there is my truth. Um, we would love to get into the intellectual reasons as to why this doesn't actually work. I mean, it's it's really, and this has been going on now for a number of years, and um, clearly you've been addressing it for a number of years. Stand to Reason 1993 is when it was founded, which is like 30 years ago now. And mm-hmm. so that's good right. for you for being on the front end Thank of this and the fact that you were on Thank focus you. on the family. Um, mm-hmm. James Dobson was on the front end of a lot of these things, these issues too. Right. In fact, a lot of his predictions have come to pass. And, mm-hmm. um, and so, you know, this idea of relativism, you know, it sounds good when you hear, well, you know, that might be your truth, but that's not my truth or, um, you know, there's really no absolute Absolute truth. All those things can sound kind of romantic, and yeah, they, they do. You know, and yet there's the real problem is that that means your feet are really planted in midair. So why don't you yes. talk about mm-hmm. why that is?
1: Okay, um, th- the reason that this is attractive is because it just sounds so tolerant. Yes, it sounds so polite it sounds so accepting you have your truth you're welcome to it good for you i have my truth i'm welcome to it we don't then we don't argue and i think this is part of what's going on there and plus there is a tremendous emphasis on the individual here uh, which is also appealing to people it's all about me okay mm-hmm. and think of think of the slogans that are popular nowadays uh, the most probably revealing slogan is you do you? Yes, so, <laughs> yes. Two pronoun, two pronouns, and a verb. You know, it's all about you. It's so self-reflective. Okay, now of course this isn't new, <laughs> and I was a student of the of the fifties and sixties. And so when I was in high school and in college in the sixties, it was we just had different language. Do your own thing if it feels good. Do it, whatever Mm -hmm. turns you on, and this is when, in a popular way, this whole notion began to take root in culture. Okay, Mm -hmm. in the '60s, but the prophet has said, "If you sow to the wind, you reap to the whirlwind," and we are now reaping the whirlwind Mm -hmm. now, fifty years later, and all of the the, this what sounded so great so many years ago, um, has really devastated our culture. We are not able to think in a morally meaningful way anymore. Some people talk about having a broken moral compass. Well, relativism breaks the compass. Well, actually, mm-hmm. what it does is it takes the compass away. Right. If a, comp- if a compass is meant, think about compass, this is actually a good illustration, now I think about it. A compass is meant to tell you where you are with the help of a map, you use a map and a compass to tell you where you are on the Earth. Okay? Mm-hmm. What is your accurate location on the Earth? So, here, notice we, with a compass, we're talking about getting information about the real world. Yeah, and, okay? we, and,
2: it was, and then it's absolute.
1: <laughs> yes, you are here. One way you are it not it. here. Or a, uh, I think sometimes the word "absolute" can be misunderstood. I prefer the word "objective." Okay. In other words, yep. it's it's a it's a fact about the world. Yep. Okay, when we talk about truth. We are just talking about facts about the world. Mm -hmm. Is it true that uh, Mr. Kokel's on this podcast with Rebecca and Abigail? (laughs) Well, if I am, then it is true. And if I'm not, then it isn't true, okay? I mean, that's so simple, it almost goes without saying. Mm -hmm. But the whole discussion about relativism whether it's relativism regarding morality, which is what the book that you cited is mostly about, or broader issues of truth, the, relativism is a, is a way of understanding what we mean by the word truth. Okay, mm-hmm. so we're just going to zero in on, on meanings here. What are mm-hmm. we talking about here? Okay, relativism is a way of characterizing what the word truth actually means. And a relative, to a relativist, the word truth means something that I believe or feel or like or prefer on the inside, all right? Mm-hmm. Now, that's different than we normally talk about it, and actually the way I was just referring to it a few moments ago with the compass, or the question about, is it true that I'm having this conversation with Rebecca and Abigail, because Uh, In those cases, I'm talking about something that's going on on the outside of me, in the world, so to speak. Um, But the way relativists talk, they are not talking about what's going on on the outside. They are talking about what's going on on the inside. Mm -hmm. Their feelings, their beliefs, whatever, okay? Mm -hmm. And so I call this the inside-outside distinction. Mm -hmm. And over the years, I've really worked at trying to make clear The distinction between relativism and objectivism, and there's lots of ways to do it, and sometimes it's a little tricky for people to get their mind around it, but this to me is the simplest way of putting it. If you think that truth is on the inside, then you're a relativist. Mm -hmm. If you think that truth is a word that deals with something on the outside, then you're an objectivist, or you could say absolute if you like. Mm Mm-hmm. In other words, a relativist, to a relativist, all they have to do is believe something, and it's true for them. Mm -hmm. And this applies to religion, it applies to morality, and, and more and more it's encompassing virtually everything. And this is why people say there is no truth. And what they mean by that is there's no truth outside that you can know. You can't, there's no truth about God. There is no truth about morality. There is no truth about a whole host of things because you can't know what's outside of you. You can only know what's inside of you. And that's why we use the language true for me or true for you. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now, uh, okay, you with me so far? Yes. Yep.
2: It makes sense.
1: So uh, let me just focus in now on the idea of, of relativism for morality. And this is expressed when someone says, well, look at abortion. There's no right or wrong about abortion. If you don't like abortion, don't have an abortion. But I don't have that concern about abortion. I think abortion is okay. So abortion is true for me. Abortion is not true for you. Okay. now notice all of this. Let me put it. Let me back up and put it this way. None of this short discussion is about abortion. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're not talking about Mm -hmm. abortion. We're talking about our feelings, our beliefs, and our convictions. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about whether abortion itself does something that is wrong in itself. Mm -hmm. That's talking like an objectivist. But that's the language of the Bible when it comes to morality. Mm -hmm. The the issues of truth for the Bible are not what we're feeling or even our 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 relationship with god which as important as that is most of what the bible is talking about is not what's true on the inside what's going on on the inside but really what's out there is jesus the savior did god visit the earth in a person of Jesus of Nazareth? Did he die on a cross as a matter of history? Did he rise from the dead? Was the tomb empty? And what difference does that make? Notice these are all claims about the objective world. Mm -hmm. And if you violate God's objective standard, that means you're guilty before God in the real world, and God is going to judge you in the real world unless you receive the gift of forgiveness he offers in the real world. Okay. Mm -hmm. All of that language is objectivist language. We're talking about truth like it's a fact, because that's really what the the word truth historically, classically, characteristically meant. We're just Mm -hmm. talking about facts.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: When a person says there is no truth, they're either saying there are no facts, there are just feelings, or or they're saying at least there's no facts in that area of right or wrong or there're no facts about religion and there's only feelings that we can we can um, depend on okay so no I've all I've done is made two points so far is I've tried to give clarity to what we mean by the word relativism mm-hmm. when it's applied broadly and when it's applied to the issue of what's right and wrong uh truth is up to you. It's up to the subject. Now, here the subject is the individual person. That's why it's also called subjectivism. But uh, relativism is when the truth is up to the individual, okay? Mm -hmm. Objectivism is when the truth is tied to the way the world is outside of you, not to what your beliefs are on the inside of you, Mm -hmm. okay? And I've also made a second point, and the second point is that biblically— truth is on the outside. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's the Mm -hmm. biblical view. Mm -hmm. What is reality actually like? And so as Christians, when we make our case, and now here's a practical application of, you can see how these two different views cash themselves out in practice. When we go to tell people about Jesus, we are not telling them that he's part of our club, and if you join our club, maybe you'll enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll be fun for you. Maybe it'll be good for you. We're not we're not asking that kind of thing. What we're doing is the same thing Jesus did, and we're saying, this is the way the world is. You are a certain way. You need help. It's almost like going to a doctor says, you've got cancer. Yes. And if you don't attend to the cancer, you're going to die in a month. And there is a solution to the cancer, and here it is. And if you don't take it, you're a goner, okay? And the doctor isn't going to say, Uh, Let me back up. If the patient said to the doctor, well, that's not true for me. (laughs) <laughs> I don't believe that. I don't like that. I prefer not to have cancer. That's not my thing or whatever. Well, you're chuckling, right? Because that would be foolish. But this is the way people deal with religion nowadays, and it's the way they deal with morality, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, now, there's. I want to give you another example about, in culture, how this is so dangerous, all right? So two years or three years ago, um, Oprah Winfrey famously stood before the Oscar crowd, and she said something to the kin to akin to live your truth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You live your truth don 't tell let other people tell you how to live. live your own truth okay now of course this this uh, stimulated a, a thunderous applause from the people in the audience, and they were on their feet, and some people were weeping because this is so profound. But what is Oprah Winfrey Winfrey doing? She is advancing relativism, Mm -hmm. okay? Okay, now I want you to think about her saying, uh, you know, live your own truth and, uh, you know, be true to yourself and all of that stuff, and everybody at the Oscars um, applauding. Now, I want you to think, a couple of years before that, when Harvey Weinstein, the producer, director, whatever big movie mm-hmm. mogul, was being hammered by everybody in the hashtag U2 movement for abusing actresses, yep. you know, on the, on the casting couch and taking advantage of them sexually um, because he had power, okay? Mm-hmm. And then all these people are coming forward. That was the same group. Yes. All right? Yes. Yes. Wait a minute.
2: Why can't we say Harvey
1: Harvey Weinstein was doing what Oprah Winfrey said he should do? He was following his truth. Mm -hmm. So why? What's the complaint about Harvey Weinstein? Well, obviously, Harvey Weinstein was wrong. But you can't say he was wrong if you're a relativist. All you can say is, well, that's not my truth. But of course, look, at everybody knew this guy was a cad. And this just goes to show how, on the one hand, Oprah Winfrey's advice is not good advice, Mm -hmm. all right? Because if everybody followed it, you'd have to applaud the Harvey Weinsteins of the world, okay? Mm -hmm. And what it does is gives liberty to them. It also shows that even though Oprah's statement was so popular and everybody thought it was great, they don't really Believe it.
2: Right. That's what I was just going to say. There's a real dichotomy and an inconsistency in their willingness to apply it. And, um, it seems that when it's a narrative that fits their narrative, which is that, you know, sexual abuse of women is wrong. They're going to accept that. However, now Mm -hmm. it seems like even that is fading um, somewhat from public view because we used to all agree that, um, that, um, childhood not pornography. What am I trying to say? Um, sex with children. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. What is the yeah. word? Yeah. Pedophilia. Pedophilia, there. that is Pedophilia. a word. I'm so right, glad right, we right. got right. to repeat <laughs> that word several I'm times. I'm so sorry. I couldn't get it, I couldn't get it off my no tongue. It happens
1: It, it happens several times. No worries.
2: But that was a universal wrong for so yeah. long. And now, recently, we're seeing more softening, softening towards this. Yeah. Um, yes, it was
1: universally mm-hmm. recognized as wrong. And now, and this is, this is the corrosive influence of relativism, oh, yes. is the more people champion do your own thing, especially sexually, since they don't want anybody telling them that their sexual liberties might be questionable, then they have a hard time saying that anybody else's sexual liberties are questionable. Mm-hmm. And that's the erosion. Yeah. And we we do see this in the area of uh, pedophilia right uh-huh, now. Uh-huh. Now, when it comes to something more forcible, like rape or uh, the Harvey Weinstein variety, people are still going to put their foot down. But you can see the erosion. And this erosion has been happening for many, many, many uh-huh. years. And I would quibble and, uh, to say
3: that people will still put their foot down about about the last bits, as you have, we've all seen after October 7th and learning about all of the yeah. atrocities happening in israel um, i've been shocked at the number mm-hmm. of people who at least are willing to say well they were they were they were colonizers mm-hmm. and so they deserved it
1: mm-hmm. yeah i'm shocked <laughs> yeah. too so, so you you got mm-hmm. you, the immediate response after october 7th was in a certain sense their their we'll just call them their moral common sense was coming right to the surface and as Francis Schaeffer said, look at human beings are made in the image of God, and they have to live in the world that God made. And so, consequently, a lot of their reactions, their spontaneous responses, are going to reflect the truth. And that's what we said we saw on October 7th. People countenance this unbelievable barbarism by Hamas, and they said, OMG, how can we possibly approve of this as much as we might? Dislike Zionism. This is not conscionable, right? This mm-hmm. is, that's October 7th. Three months later, those same people's tune has changed. Mm-hmm. So it just goes to show how how vulnerable people are to public influence and, uh, and their, again, their moral compass being... Um, affected by other kinds of pressures and other kinds of mm-hmm. ideas. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and that was a great illustration that you brought mm-hmm. up. So but this is what you get with relativism. You have the the, the the inability really to be able to make straightforward claims, moral claims, about obvious examples of evil.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I think that that's what your organization, Stand to Reason, and I didn't, uh, I haven't brought up to our listeners, um, it would be really um, useful for them. Um, so Mr. Koukl has a, an organization. It's online if you Google StandToReason.org. I will tell you, I have spent quite a bit of time on his website. If you go under training, if you really want to, and, and what I, here's what I loved about this is I have four children and, and yeah. you know I work and my husband is working and we're all just trying to get through the day as best we can and do good things. And I loved, I went into that. I, I, all you have to do, it's free. Everyone, you can sign up and um, it is free. And I was able to go in and listen to your lectures on relativism. But what I was astonished by is each of the lectures is less than 10 minutes. But then mm. the best part is, is there's a quiz, guys. So you have to answer <laughs> questions. And the first time, I was so mad. First time I got 62%. And mm-hmm. I just was furious and went, oh, man. And so I just restarted it again and went, oh, man. Gosh darn it. Johnson's, we don't <laughs> get 62%. So. Um, but, so for all of you busy parents, I think what I desperately want us to understand is we have really been conditioned to n- to, to back away from making objective moral statements. Um, I think that even the best of us being in this culture, it feels so foreign now. Even those of us who are clear thinking and trying to speak truth in love, it mm. it feels foreign to do so. And what I, I really appreciate about your lectures that you have, again, for mm-hmm. free, that are short, they're very doable in little time segments, is I left going, I understand this better now. I think mm-hmm. I, could, I, I at least made progress oh. in it being able to hopefully communicate truth, objective truth, in love, mm-hmm. should that conversation come my uh-huh. way. Yeah, and I okay. want everyone I to understand a- that.
1: I think I'm speaking. That was you're, This is Abigail speaking, yes. right? Just now. Yeah. Okay. Good. I thought. So. But you found, You put your finger on a couple of things really important. First, the way we communicate, teach, and stand the reason is we we're really in in favor of like mastery learning. Okay. So you get 62%. No worries. You're the only one who knows that. I don't know that. You go back and you start over and then you get 80%. Then you get a hundred percent. Once you get a hundred percent, you got it. Then you move on to the next thing. So you don't have to move forward until you get everything in the first few steps, right? And then uh, you can move at your own speed. So it's very, very user-friendly that way, but everybody gets to learn it, right? Yes, That's a big part of our, our training technique and, and, uh, uh, Value system. But something else you mentioned that it bears um, saying more about, and that is the power of the, a corrosive culture to begin to form our minds and our ideas and the way we think and talk, and we don't even realize how much it's happening. Okay. So I'll give you an illustration. I have a 16-year-old daughter. She just uh, passed her driver's test today. God bless so you. A, <laughs> good uh, luck. Yeah. Not, yeah. Good luck. Right. But uh, my view is, look, um, okay, now you got to buy insurance and uh, no ticky, no washy, right? You pay for insurance <laughs> because you don't drive, right? So that's part of her responsibility now as a young adult. But um, we were talking not too long ago about something and she and she disagreed with it. Okay. And she said to me, Hey, no hate. <laughs> hey, no hate.
2: Oh I wonder and where I, she heard I, that.
1: I said, <laughs> I, said, honey, I said, "Honey. I said, "Honey, I don't want you to ever say that again, And I want to tell you why. This is language from the culture that says that if you disagree with somebody's view, then you are hating them. Yes, yes. Yep. And I don't want you to buy that idea. Yeah. Okay, but wait a minute, my daughter goes, she went to a classical Christian grade school, and now she's in high school, she's at a Christian high school, and she goes in a youth group every Sunday night, and, and here she's telling me, hey, no hate, <laughs> where did that come from? She absorbed it like a sponge from the culture. Now, yes. it isn't actually her view. She was, she was kind of kidding with yeah, me a little bit, but why silly. does it come out so spontaneously? I was telling the story to a local pastor just this morning at breakfast, and he said, my daughter did the same thing to me. Oh, <laughs> my
2: <laughs> goodness. Oh my
1: But goodness. what it shows, though, uh, ladies, it shows how corrosive, how aggressive, how subtle the culture can be to form our ideas about what is true and right and good and beautiful, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and without even us knowing it. Mm-hmm. And this is why we need to be... More vigilant than ever. This is why courses like what we teach and what uh, at to reason str.org, and STR. dot org and what you're doing with your school, your classical school there, and what what uh, what uh, what we're talking about now is so important because it causes us to let's pause for a minute, let's reflect on what the truth is. And now, when I say the word truth, we do bandy that around a lot by, uh, by as Christians, because we're referring to God's truth and God's word and all that, but it cannot starts sounding a little religious to us. So I wrote a book, and maybe you are familiar with it, but I called it The Story of Reality. How the world began, how it ends, and everything important that happens in between. And it's about Christianity. But notice how I'm characterizing it in my title. This is a story. It is a story, but it's a true story. It doesn't start once upon a time. It is the true story. It's an accounting of the way the world actually is and what i want to invest not just in my own daughters but in in everybody who has any contact with anything i'm doing is that what we're telling people is the truth about the way the world actually is mm-hmm. okay it's like gravity if you don't believe in gravity you're not going to float away it's part <laughs> of the way just-
0: <laughs> right? It's part of the
1: way the world is. And when we talk about Christianity and the details of Christianity, we are not talking about some fantasy or myth or anything like that. We're talking about the way the world actually is. And, of course, that's a claim we have to defend. Yep. And that's yes. what apologetics yep. are for. Yep. We give our reasons.
2: And on that note, we are at the end of our first podcast here um, with Greg Kokel and of of um, founder of Stand to Reason. And, and we are so excited to be able to have this conversation with you Greg and we will continue this in the next podcast because you are on to some very important details here and I would encourage our listeners to go to his website stand to reason you can also watch his show, um, his take his classes which is str. no stu.org. And otherwise, you can listen to this podcast and any other podcast at uh, Spotify, iTunes, and any other places where you get your podcasts. We will see you soon. Have a good night, everyone.
3: Thanks.